Hey guys, welcome to Fiction Fixation. Each week we get together and recap a different book or movie. We're not here to write or review anything. We're just here to talk about characters and the situations they find themselves in. We're your hosts. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. And this week, what are we talking about, Courtney? We're talking about a movie on Netflix. It's not exclusively on Netflix, but it is currently on Netflix called A Cinderella Story starring Hilary Duff and Chad Michael Murray. Hilary Duff walked so Camila Cabello could run. This has all of the early 2000s nostalgia that I love. It has all the things, including Chad Michael Murray, who, by the way, I can't stand. He has the most punchable face in the world. I mean, I was never, like, fangirling over him, but, like, I never had the urge to punch him. Oh, the urge is strong. It's very strong. (laughs) Is it from how he did Rory and Gilmore Girls? I think it's leftover rage from from Gilmore Girls, yeah. That's fair. (laughs) As the title would imply, this is a Cinderella retelling. Mm -hmm. Our Cinderella is Sam, who is played by Hilary Duff, and her dad owns a diner called Hal's. He's a blue-collar dad, small business owner. Yeah. He's kind of a little bit, you say it. Is he a snack? He's a snack. He's a, <laughs> he's a snack, girl. Why are you fronting? Why are you fronting? We're going to be using 2000s terminology here, so get with it. He was the bomb. <laughs> um, I, I feel like now, as an early 30s adult... I look at the main characters in most 2000 movies, you know, Mm -hmm. 90s movies, early 2000s movies. Yeah. And I look at the main characters and I'm like, I guess he's cute. But then the parents are really doing it for me. I know the dads are just like, man, look at that house. He's got it together, girl. He has a life insurance policy that he needs in this movie. But um... (laughs) (laughs) he does need it. Um, Spoiler alert. Dad dies. Oh, my gosh. No. Hold on, girl. Okay, back up. Back up a second. Let's set it up. Let's set this up, okay? Paint you the picture. Okay, I'm going to tell you something right now. Our main character, her name is Samantha, right? Mm -hmm. But they call her Sam. Yes. Is that not the most early 2000s thing? Like, every girl wanted a boy's name. Like, I remember I wanted so badly for my name to be, like, Ross or, like, something. You could have went by Ross. I could have, right? I didn't, though. Yeah. I didn't. Listen, our story opens up on her birthday. She is blowing out candles. She's being raised by a single dad. Like, he's holding it down, Mm -hmm. you know, holding it down. She has female influences. You know, the waitresses at Hal's, at the diner, Mm -hmm. are very motherly and loving to her. That's true. But dad, being a single man, he finds a um, blonde bomb. I don't want to say bombshell um, because she's more like a crazy bomb. On Sam's birthday, this, this sweet little girl being raised by her dad... On her birthday, as she's blowing out the candles, the dad is busy having a meet-cute. Yes. He has a meet-cute with his future wife and our evil stepmother. Fiona. She falls into his arms as his daughter is blowing out the candles. Like, she's walking past and trips and he catches her, which is normally super cute. 
But number one, rude. You're interrupting this little girl's birthday by falling. Yes. Just hit the ground, mm-hmm. girl. Just take just take an L for the team, you know? Yeah. Um, he saves her. And then from what we can tell, it was like a whirlwind romance. The dad is fine. Okay, the dad is a snack. And Fiona, uh, this this new, you know, lover that he has found in the middle of his diner. It's a bag of Cheeto Puffs. She's like a Midwest six. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the dad is a 10, like, internationally. Uh-huh. We understand you think the dad is fine, Rose. <laughs> Message for Mr. Rose, you might want to skip this one. This is just me simping over the dad. I think there's a theme here. I like dads, okay? I like the whole dad vibe. Yeah. The whole guy who's responsible. Rose's dad should probably skip this, too. <laughs> he skipped everything. Dad, you should skip this <laughs> like you skipped my whole childhood. <laughs> okay now we're gonna pause for a break as i cry she's not crying she's just drinking more wine dad falls in with fiona Mm -hmm. and fiona has two daughters gabriella and brianna who are twins she does yeah and they are terrible I didn't realize they were twins because they don't really look alike. Oh, no. They're like those weird twins where one is like long, lean, and leggy, and the other one is like short and stubby, you know? Hmm. Instead of the jeans like evening out, there's just like one polar end and the other polar end, you know? And one one has a therapy bill and the other one doesn't. They both have therapy bills. <laughs> <laughs> they should have therapy bills. Yeah, so if you know about Cinderella, right, you know that these two daughters, they're just, they're going to be the worst stepsisters, but not yet, right? Because dad is still around. They have to, they have to keep up appearances. Yeah. Well, see, you can tell Fiona's going to be a problem um, because during the wedding pictures, she drops her bouquet and Sam reaches down to get it and they snap a picture with just Fiona, Sam's dad, and then the stepsisters. Right. And you see, like, Sam's ponytail, and that's it. And then Fiona's like, one's enough. Right. Yeah, she she made sure that Sam was not even in the wedding picture. Yeah, so you can tell that Fiona's going to be a problem. What a biatch. Yes. So, like we said, her... um. Snack Daddy is going to need that life insurance policy. (laughs) One night, Sam's dad is cuddling her in bed while he reads her a bedtime story. It's so sweet. So sweet. It's a peaceful (laughs) California evening. Nothing could go wrong. Nothing could go wrong. It's nice and balmy outside. There's probably some crickets, a squirrel, a family of bunnies. They're just peacefully living on the San Andreas Fault. You know, like nothing could go wrong. Girl. It goes wrong. (laughs) It goes wrong. It goes so wrong. So there's an earthquake. And listen, I made it this far in the movie kind of just just casually watching the movie. Just vibing. Just vibing. Just being like cool, 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 cool. And at this point... 
there's supposedly this massive earthquake. Mm-hmm. Sam and her dad, they run to the door frame, which is where you're supposed to stand. And then they, they hear someone calling out for help. Yes. So Sam's dad goes to help that person. Who is it, Fiona? It's Fiona. Yeah, Fiona's calling for Sam's dad. And Sam is like, Dad, no, don't go. And it's like this very tense moment. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to believe that the dad died in this earthquake that didn't knock a single picture off the wall. I mean, technically, she never says that he died in the earthquake. It's just heavily implied. No, I know. And that's the thing. She says, I lost my best friend that night. I'm sorry. What? Where did he go? Was he abducted by aliens? Like, did he leave? Like, what happened? How did you lose him? Because this earthquake was so fucking mild, it barely knocked a snow globe off of the nightstand. There was a whole ass china cabinet just chilling in the background. And we're supposed to believe the earthquake killed the dad? Guess what? That china cabinet was properly bolted and strapped to the wall. Daddy wasn't, okay? And so was every piece of china in there. I'm sorry, Courtney. We sit on different aisles of the conspiracy theory. My conspiracy is that Fiona killed him. That's my conspiracy too, girl. We're on the same page then. Yeah. So at this point, it kind of flashes forward. And Sam is no longer a little girl in elementary school. She is now a teenager. She's in her senior year of high school. Yeah. And Fiona, as we've told you previously, is terrible. And she just gets progressively worse. Yeah. Well, now she's in charge of all of the wealth because as it turns out, dad didn't have a will. And so the stepmom got everything. Yes. They moved Sam up to the attic we're supposed to feel sorry for her, but Harry Potter would have loved to have an addict to himself. You know what I mean? <laughs> for real. Like, Harry Potter would have been like, Sam, what are you complaining about? You've got it good. That was a spacious ass attic. Oh, she could easily have like a king size bed and a couch, and it could be a cupboard under the stairs, bitch. All right. You know what I'm saying? At least you're free to come and go as you want. She has a whole ass computer in her room. Yeah. Which she uses. Ooh. Ooh, she uses for nefarious purposes. No, they're not nefarious. No. <laughs> she uses it to talk to this boy on message boards for Princeton. Yes. Well, Sam has a secret mystery man. She's been texting him, talking to him on AIM. This is not okay to talk to a complete stranger that you don't know who you're talking You don't even know what they look like. Listen, her dad died. She didn't have anybody to tell her to stay away from strangers on the internet. You think Fiona's going to tell her to? No. So first scene where Fiona is reintroduced to us, she's at the pool and she like wakes Sam up, like screaming to bring her her breakfast, mm-hmm. which is salmon that she imports from norway but if you if you ask fiona she's gonna say norwegia because it's norwegian salmon (laughs) it's salmon from norwegia from norwegia we get a really good representation of how bad fiona is because there's apparently a really bad drought happening in california which if you're from california you know is not uncommon it happens a lot Uh uh-huh so People are supposed to be conserving water. And when the camera pans out in the neighborhood, 
All the lawns are yellow and patchy, except for Fiona's lawn. It's like green, green, pristine, magazine-ready grass, and everything else is dead. Yeah, it's like the most neon green. It reminded me of me in 2014, because like, my husband was deployed to Afghanistan, and we lived in California. There was a very bad drought happening. We were supposed to be conserving water. I didn't know how to adjust the sprinkler system, and our lawn was so green. Everyone else's lawn was so yellow, and I was like, I'm not an asshole. I just don't know how to work the sprinkler system. <laughs> You're like, if somebody wants to come over and turn it off for me? Like, if somebody wants to put little mugs outside of my little sprinklers so that they can collect the water to, like, give to the ocean or wherever fucking needs it? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, I can just see you with 40,000 coffee mugs just dumping them one by one off a bridge into an, into the ocean. I'm sorry, ocean. So the employees at the diner are the same employees that were there mm-hmm. when Sam's dad was alive. And they are more nurturing and parenting to Sam than Fiona has ever been to anyone in her life. I know. These employees are absolutely not into Fiona. They do not like her. They don't like all the changes she's made, and they definitely don't like the way that she treats Sam. Fiona has Sam working really crazy hours when Sam should be at school. Fiona has Sam waking up, making Fiona's breakfast, taking care of Fiona and Fiona's daughters, going to work in the diner before school, and then going to school And then going back to the diner. Yeah. It's a miracle that Sam even has the grades at this point to dream of going to Princeton, you know? Because that's her ultimate goal is Princeton. Yes. Fiona is dangling the carrot of Princeton over Sam's head at this point. She's like, you know, like if you don't go to work, you know, there's no money for Princeton. Sam is kind of putting up with all this abuse because... She's seeing her freedom in the horizon. She's like, okay, I'm I'm a senior in high school. I'm going to go to college. My college is going to be paid for by Fiona. It's going to be fine. I just got to put up with a little more BS for a little while. And she says something to Sam that's really terrible. She's like, people go to college so they can get a job. <laughs> you already have a job. Yeah. You take care of me. You do everything I need you to do. That's your job. Yeah, it's just the way Fiona treats Sam is just gross. Let's talk a little more about her mystery man, because Sam's mystery man, who she has been having this kind of pen pal relationship online with, Uh just happens to be the hottest guy in her high school. Well, she doesn't know that yet. She doesn't know it, but it is. We know it. We see it. We see it. It is the super hot guy, Austin. And Austin is played by Chad Michael Murray, who is like a Wish.com Ken doll. Yeah, no, that's completely true. You know, here's the thing about Austin. He's a football player. His dad owns a mm-hmm. car wash. Okay, can side note, Austin's dad, to me, looks identical to Sam's dad. Am I crazy? Yes. Because I was literally like, is this the same actor? Like, it looks just like him. Bigger plot twist. They're actually half siblings. And this movie is taking a different turn. (laughs) Listen, it was a low budget film. (laughs) 
<laughs> they just took this same dad and gave him a wig and a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, listen, we need to make this work. Okay, the other guy pulled out. And that's what she said. Yeah, so our hero, his name is Austin. Uh-huh. Listen, we're supposed to think this guy is super hot and like, okay. I mean, we've suspended disbelief before. You know, we can do it. I th- Listen, he's not ugly, you know? It's not like he would come hit on you and you would be like, I'm calling the authorities. No, but there's, but yes, I think I would. <laughs> Your reaction to Chad Michael Murray is sort of blowing my mind because you love tall, skinny white boys. This is weird. I agree. This is kind of like, this should be my bread and butter. Like tall, skinny white boys are my bread and butter. Yes. Like, this is what I ordered, but it is not what I ordered, you know? Tall, skinny, white boy. Chad Michael Murray? No. He does this stupid smoldering look. You know what I'm talking about? Like, when if you have to squint your eyes and look up from, like, a very specific position to look hot, you're not fucking hot. Get out of here, Chad Michael Murray. You're pissing me off. You have three fucking names. You know what? I think that's what it is. You're just jealous that you didn't have three <laughs> names. I don't have a middle name, and it makes me so sad. Okay, let's move it on. Moving on. Our hero here is Chad Michael Murray, who mm-hmm. is Austin. Yeah. His dad owns the car wash. We already talked about that. Yeah. Um, and he also has big ideals of going to Princeton. However, his dad has other plans for him. His dad wants him to go to a different college and play football. Yeah, well, his dad wants him at a local college so that he yeah. could take over the family business. Yeah, um, which, like, I get as a parent wanting to pass something on to your children. Well, how heartbreaking is it that, like, you built something from scratch and you're like, wow, here's this wealth that I get to pass on to my kids. And then your kids are like, nah, I'm good. No, thank you. <laughs> you keep it. So Sam and Austin have been talking via text messages mm-hmm. and instant messages. Girl, this was the click clackety phones. This was not iPhone time. Yes. This was when phones had buttons on it and each button had like four letters and you had yeah. to hit a button four times to get the letter I. Yeah. So they I were call- putting in work to this. <laughs> This was fucking cardio, you know what I mean? Like, getting to know each other at this time, you burned, like, 400 calories with each paragraph. They all had a carpal tunnel. <laughs> so, they're supposed to meet at the homecoming dance. It's a Halloween party. It's the homecoming dance, and it's Halloween-themed. Oh, nice. And Austin has been texting her all of this super cheesy poetry that makes me sort of want to, like, vomit in my mouth. At one point, he says, in anticipation of their meeting, he says, half the night I waste in sighs. Sir, Hemingway, you are not, okay? <laughs> so she's supposed to meet at the homecoming dance. Um, and Sam has a bestie, and his name is Connor. Connor is sort of breathing some reality into the situation. He's like, hey... You sure about this? Does he even really go to our school? And she's like, I don't know. It feels kind of too good to be true. And you fucking think? You think? <laughs> well, Connor's like, hey, um, this random guy you've been... Well, first of all, you don't even know if it's a guy. Let us remember, she uh-huh. has only exchanged 
words, texted, emailed words with this person. She has not seen their picture. She has not mm-hmm. heard their voice. She, from the information he has told her, he goes to her school, which we know to be true as the viewer of the movie. She doesn't know it to be true. But she doesn't freaking know. He could be a pedophile. A hundred percent. But at this point, she wants to go to the homecoming dance. And Fiona tells her absolutely not. She's like, no, you can't go. I need you to work at the diner. Someone needs to work the night shift at the diner. You can't go. It's the weirdest thing because Fiona almost seems like she is purposefully blocking Sam's joy. She is. Just because she can. She's like power hungry. She's like, I need you to mop the floors tonight. I need someone physically at the diner mopping the floors. And I need that person to be you. All night. All night long. She gets to the diner and she's literally on her hands and knees like scrubbing floors. Yeah. And Rhonda, the head waitress, gets there. And is like, Sam, shouldn't you be at the dance? And she's like, no, Fiona said I can't go, that I have to be here. And Rhonda, being the loving, badass mom figure, mother figure that she is, yeah, is like, no, you're going to that dance. You're going to get up, and you're going to go to that fucking dance. And you're going to have a good fucking time. Yeah, remember, Rhonda used to work there back when the dad owned the diner. And Rhonda yeah. has been essentially Sam's only mother figure this whole time. Mm-hmm. And she's looking out for this girl, you know? Yeah, she's trying to be the... The anti-Fiona. Yeah. And Sam is like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I can't go. I don't have anything to wear anyways. So Rhonda is like, listen, I have a friend. And she takes her to this costume store. And it's like a super cute, like, bougie-looking costume store. Yeah. it's This is not a party city, you know? Mm-mm. This is... No. Like a like a movie prop costume store, you know? Yeah. She goes there and we get a cute little montage of her trying on different costumes to wear to homecoming. All of the costumes are hideous, to say the least. They're all pretty ugly. Yeah. But Rhonda, Rhonda sees a mask mm-hmm. in the case. And she's like, hey, let me see that mask. And the guy at the costume shop is like, I don't have anything that matches it. And Rhonda's like, you don't, but I do. Yeah. Rhonda takes Sam back to her place and she's like, I got to show you this this special dress I have. Girl, this dress is her wedding dress. Mm-hmm. She said she bought it for her next attempt down the aisle. So wait a minute. I thought it was like a wedding dress she had worn before, but it's a brand new wedding dress she's never worn. She's never worn it. That's wild. Girl, what the, what are you doing, Rhonda? Come on. This is a high school dance. You're going to going to give a high schooler your wedding dress? I mean, it's like a super puffy it is a Cinderella dress. It is beautiful. It's a beautiful beautiful dress. Um so Sam is supposed to be scrubbing floors all night. Rhonda says, "Hey, I'm going to cover for you, but you need to make sure that you're back by 12." Yeah, like we can't cover for you if Fiona comes in looking for you. Fiona's full-time job is just making sure that Sam is miserable. That's, yeah, that's about it. So, Sam and her bestie, they get to the dance, and like any good teenage rom-com, she enters the room. The spotlight finds her. 
I was so confused because everyone turned to look toward the staircase and there was nothing there. And then a couple seconds later, Sam walked up in her gorgeous gown. I was like, that is beautiful and amazing. And But I have some follow-up questions. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, how did everyone know to turn and look at that time? They sensed the shift in the atmosphere, okay? <laughs> they sensed it. So... They turn to look at the staircase. Then Sam appears and she enters the room, mm-hmm. you know, and people are like, oh, my God, who's that girl? I've never seen a woman dressed so beautifully and glowing and she's blonde. But, oh, my God, what a mystery. She's wearing a mask that literally only covers her eyebrows and the area around her eyeballs. We can't possibly know who this is. Yeah, they see that and just they're like, nope, don't know her. Don't have no idea. Austin has a counterpart. Her name is Shelby. She is the head bitch. She is the head cheerleader and Austin's ex-girlfriend. He literally broke up with her like earlier that day. Yeah. Austin, again, he's a football player. He's a popular guy. Mm-hmm. And he has he's been living kind of a double life because while he's trying to be the popular guy, he's also having kind of this this pen pal romance with this mystery girl. Remember, Austin doesn't know who Sam is either. No. So he has plans to meet his mystery girl that night. In the center of the dance floor. Their plan is to meet in the center of the dance floor. How do you know where the center of the dance floor is? Right under the disco ball? I don't know. That's what I would think. (laughs) Where's the disco ball? (laughs) And the popular girl looks at Sam and goes, love her dress hate her sam gets to the middle of the dance floor and she's waiting for her mystery man to show up she's waiting to see to finally see who it is yeah and finally austin comes up to her and she's like austin aims yeah and he's like you sound disappointed he comes up and he whispers her username do you know her username is Princeton girl. Her username is Princeton girl. So he goes, Princeton girl. And so she knows that this must be Nomad. Nomad is uh-huh. her pen pal. She turns around and she sees who it is because he's not he's not wearing a mask. Um, and she is disappointed mm-hmm. because this guy is supposed to have a girlfriend. And, and BTW, this guy has had a girlfriend the whole time they've been talking. Yeah. So, like, he's kind of been, like, emotionally cheating on his girlfriend with this chick who he never met and wasn't even sure was real. Yeah. And now he sees her. And again, he can't recognize her because if you put a black bar over someone's eyebrows and the area around their eyes, no idea who they are. Like, you can't recognize them. You've seen them every day for the past four years, but you would not know who they are. (laughs) It's science. You know, it's a scientific fact. 155% of the time, 25% of people will not be able to recognize 13% of their classmates. It's just, (laughs) it's just science, you know, just don't fight it. Shush. Rose has a psychology degree. She would know. (laughs) After Sam gets over her initial shock of it being Austin, they go outside, you know, they wander and he's like let's play 20 questions and she's like "Mm, maybe not 20 and he's like okay like 10 
it I'm sorry, it just blows my mind. He doesn't recognize her at all. He has no idea who she is. This guy not only goes to school with her, he also goes to eat at her diner all the time where she works. He literally just spoke to her earlier that day. Yeah, yeah, he did. Like, not even <laughs> 10 hours before. It's like five hours beforehand. He was in the diner and talked to her. I know. And you would think he would recognize the voice. But anyway, you know what? Yeah, no, nothing. It was the early 2000s. We were all stupid, girl. We were all dumb. We were all Chad, Chad Michael Murray. <laughs> <laughs> so they're outside talking and he's asking her questions. And he said, were you disappointed when you found out was when you found out it was me? And she said, surprisingly, no. Hmm. I call bullshit. She was disappointed. She was. And then, believe it or not, there's like a string quartet outside in the garden by the gazebo playing music. And the song they're playing is Love Suicide. No, it's not Love Suicide. It's It's called Love Suicide. It's called I'll Be. I was like obsessed with Do you know I played the song every day when... My husband was deployed. We were engaged at the time. This was gonna... oh my god! It is called All Be. I thought it was called Love Suicide this I whole fucking time. Swear to God, Courtney. <laughs> oh my gosh! So the place where they're out dancing, it looks like a wedding. It looks like a wedding venue, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like a gazebo out in like a courtyard. Like, it's... where the fuck did that come from? It's so random. And then the string quartet randomly being there. It's like, it's as if a wedding literally happened and finished and everyone left and the string band just stood there because no one told them to go home. And and then this teenage couple came up and they were like, well, I guess we should play like the wedding song. It's like the band of the Titanic. <laughs> they just went down with the sinking ship. Yeah, they never left. Well, then, like, the lyrics start to kind of go over it. Like, every girl ever, she's a big puddle of dumbass, and I'm right there with her. Yeah. Because I love this fucking song. It's a good song. Uh, It's just, like, everything a girl wants a guy to tell her is in this song. We need to to tell people the lyrics of this song because it's important, okay? Okay. If you add music to any moment, it's going to season the moment, okay? It's going to add feeling to the moment that wasn't there before. That's true. Did you look at the lyrics already? It says, The strands in your eyes that color them wonderful stop me and steal my breath. (laughs) And then it says, And I'll be better when I'm older. I'll be the greatest fan of your life. That's my favorite line. That's my favorite line. It could have been the hunchback of Notre Dame that was dancing with Sam that night. And I would have been like, I want to have your babies tonight. (laughs) Come here, Quasimodo. Come here. (laughs) Come here, Quasi. (laughs) Even Chad Michael Murray, who she has shown clear disdain for, has won her over. Girl, Sam doesn't even like Austin. Like she doesn't she doesn't like him. She knows him. She has seen him around school and she's like this guy is a douchebag. Like he's not really actively a douchebag, but he's worse. He's passively a douchebag. Yes. He doesn't even have like a villain redemption arc where he was like the bad boy for a reason. He's not even the bad boy. This whirlwind of a night has just turned her into like 
pure trash for Austin. I mean, which understandable, you know, a hundred percent. I mean, she's she's a Courtney. She's a Courtney for the red flags. Yeah, that's fair. This guy, this guy is, this guy is basura. This guy is trash. You know, like he a hundred percent is. And then, just like the true Cinderella, the timer on her phone goes off, so she has to hightail it back to the fucking diner. Yes, girl, because um, she needed to be back in the diner by midnight. Mm-hmm. Why? Why specifically midnight? Because I that's because Cinderella retelling. That's why. Stop asking questions. Because Cinderella. Because Cinderella. We don't make the rules, and obviously, neither, neither do the writers of this movie. Cinderella done fucking left. Cinderella done pulled a Cinderella. She did what Cinderellas do. Cinderellas GTFO. You know what I mean? They're just like, we're not uh-huh. about this party. We got to go. We got to get our beauty sleep. You know, women no longer ghost people. They just Cinderella people. They Cinderella it. That's what you need to call it. Next time you need a ghost a dude. You just, the next time you need a ghost a dude, you just send him an emoji of a high heel. <gasps> oh my God. And then never text oh him again. Oh my God. Find me. <laughs> <laughs> but not really. Don't come to my house or look for me. I will have you arrested. Thank you. As Sam is running away from Austin to get back you know, in time for midnight, she drops her flip phone. And I'm like, you know what? Her flip phone is fine. First of all, no one to worry because flip phones are fucking indestructible. <laughs> well, she had her flip phone tucked into like an ankle bracelet under her dress. Like, I feel like there was much better places to keep that. Every woman knows that there is no better pocket than your bra. Like, there is yeah. no better pocket than your boobage area. She didn't even put it, like, in, like, her, like, waistband, Mm -mm. you know? There was, like, a belt on that dress she could have, like, tucked it into. Yeah. She put it on her ankle. Yeah. Well, she dropped it on her way out, and our prince figure picks up the phone, and it's, you know, hello, it's it's our uh, slipper. You know, in Cinderella, she loses the slipper. Well, Sam loses her flip phone. Sam runs in, grabs Connor, who... Is her bestie. She grabs Connor and is like, we got to get the fuck out of here. I got to get back to the diner. So she goes and they're like trying to gun it to the diner. But they stop at a red light and they stop directly next to Fiona with her stepsisters in the car. I know the stepsisters look over and they see Sam in the car and they realize that Sam is not in the diner where she's supposed to be. And they're like, Mom, Mom, it's Sam. Her evil stepsisters already saw her, um, but she's hiding. She ducked down so the stepmom didn't see her. And Sam's friend is racing her back to the diner so she could pretend she's been there all along where she's supposed to have been. Uh Uh-huh. Fiona and the girls get back to the diner before Sam does. The diner employees, you know, Sam's surrogate family, know Sam is not back yet. So they're trying to stall, stall, stall for time for her. Fiona, at this point, she smells bullshit. And she's like, where's Sam? Yeah. Where is she? Sam pops up, surprising everybody, (laughs) from the kitchen. Yeah. And just, like, smacks the bell, like, order up. Yeah, Sam... Sam is back there, like a fry fry order cook, you know, like what's it called? Mm-hmm. Fry cook? Yeah. You know, like straight up like SpongeBob. She's like she's always been there. The next day, 
Sam gets to school and there's posters everywhere that says, have you seen Cinderella? Yeah. Austin is looking for his Cinderella. And he wants her bad. Yeah. Austin is kind of shook by meeting his Cinderella. He feels like she's real. She listens to him. That she knows the real him. So he's smitten. Uh Uh-huh. He's ready to propose, you know? Yeah. Which is cool. You know, cool, cool, cool. (laughs) And Sam is obviously ignoring him and hiding from him. Also cool, you know? You know what? It should be easy to find her. She's the girl that everyone's spidey senses tingled Uh for. And they looked over before she was even standing where they were looking. Yeah. He has like this, um, his friends make this game show, like, ordeal where they have all these girls who are saying they're Cinderella. (laughs) First of all, he can cut out all of the non-blondes. She was just wearing a mask. He saw her hair. He saw her height. He saw her body type. He he saw yeah. everything except for her eyebrows. Like, he should be able to pick her out in a lineup. He, I, I, how is he struggling with this so much? Because, like you said, he knows her hair. He knows her height. He knows her general body build. He knows her voice. He could literally limit it down to a handful of girls and then solve it with one question with just what is your screen name? Either your screen name or my screen name. Like, it's not that hard. So what's funny is that we have Sam, who obviously she knows who her mysterious pen pal is. She knows it's Austin. Yeah. And she knows that he's looking for her. And and she's like, but look at me. I live in an addict and I drive a convertible that has scratches all over it. I'm basically gutter trash. He's not going to want to be with me. Right? His family owns a car wash and I have a dirty car. He's going to hate me. <laughs> I'm like, bitch, you drive a fucking convertible. <laughs> the logic here is such teenage logic, you know? It's not it this this movie runs on teenage logic. It's basically it. The writers were sitting in a room and they were like, but how does this work? And someone was like, teenage logic, and they were like, cool. Sam, who we've said a few times, she wants to go to Princeton. Fiona gets home one day and checks the mail, and it's mostly bills. Except for one packet. Mm. And that very large envelope is Sam's Princeton acceptance letter. Yes. And so Fiona does what every good stepmom does. And she hides the acceptance letter. She hides it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because she, despite all of her carrot dangling, she does not want Sam to go to Princeton. If Sam goes to Princeton, Fiona loses her servant. So, Sam is upstairs in her room, and she's talking to Austin. Austin doesn't know it's Sam, but they're talking right um, as their aliases, Princeton Girl and Nomad. He's begging her to tell him who she is. He's like, I'm looking for you. I'm uh-huh. going to figure this out. He's giving very much stalker vibes right now. Like, boy, if she met you, she had an entire conversation with you. She danced to I'll Be by Edwin McCain, and she still doesn't want to tell you who she mm-hmm. is. Like, maybe she's just not that into you. Like, I don't know. Um, 
one of the stepsisters comes upstairs and was like, hey, mom's looking for you. Yeah. And she's like, where is she? And she's like, baking. By baking, she means in the tanning bed. Yeah. So Sam leaves her stepsister alone in her room with her computer, which is open to the chat that she has with her secret love interest. Like, that's that's normal. We all do mm-hmm. that. Uh, no, I would have shoot. I would have physically removed my <laughs> stepsister from the room and then locked it behind me. I would have taken the computer monitor with me, which, by the way, it was one of those old computer monitors that was like a 3D cube. It was like a little. It's like yes. a literal cube. I would have taken it with me. Oh, yeah, for sure. Stepsister goes through all the messages and she's like reading them out loud while the other stepsister is spying on her from outside the door. So at this point, both stepsisters know yeah. that Sam is Cinderella and that Austin is looking for her. Yeah, because remember, Austin has been looking for his Cinderella for a while. He's been kind of, I don't want to say holding trials, but he's been having girls jump jump through hoops, which again, what's in the water around here? Why is everyone so thirsty for Chad Michael Murray? Like he's, I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me. Listen, this is a California high school. There's plenty of dick. You know what I mean? Like there's... There's a lot, yeah. There's the surfer dick. You have options. Everyone wants Austin. The twins specifically are very thirsty for Austin. Oh, for sure. It's because of the status. You know, that's that's it. He comes from another small business owner family, another little, you know, the car wash. Yeah. Um, the twins decide that now they have the information they need to trick Austin into falling in love with them. Uh-huh. They... Both at the same time, like hightail it to the car wash to basically they they don't know the other one's going. So they both show up at the same time. I don't know how they didn't realize it because they're leaving from the same house. <laughs> yeah. Going in the same going to the same place. But like whatever. They both get there and they're like rehearsing their lines to themselves. And they're like, Austin, it's me. I'm Cinderella. Yeah. And they're like, no, it's me. I'm Cinderella. Yeah, it's just not convincing to Austin. He's like, neither one of you are blonde. (laughs) And Cinderella's blonde. So it doesn't check out. Well, he's like, he knows that neither one of them is Cinderella. And he's like, okay, I can settle this once and for all. Cinderella dropped something when she left. What was it? Neither one of them could guess what Cinderella dropped. Obviously, because they weren't Cinderella. But look, the worst things that the stepsisters did was that they printed out the emails between Austin and Sam. Oh, my God. And they gave it to Austin's ex-girlfriend, who, by the way, okay, listen, she's the villain of the story. Okay, fine. I get it. But also, Austin cheated on her. He had an emotional affair with a mystery woman online who happened to be our heroine. Uh So I'm kind of in a weird position right now. And so, like any woman scorned, Shelby, Austin's ex-girlfriend, decides to absolutely humiliate Sam. Yeah. So, essentially, Austin's ex-girlfriend makes an entire production. I mean, this is a three-act play structure. She put thought into this. 
she put thought, she put time, she has people at playing the characters, and she acts out using characters, using other people as actors. This play that she orchestrates is in front of, like, the whole school. It's supposed to be, like, a tribute to the football team, kind of like a pep rally before the homecoming football game. And they're like, there once was a frog who, you, you know, it goes along the lines with the Prince Charming Cinderella it was very cringe, though, seeing, like, their personal emails being read out loud in a play to the entire school. Like, that was bad. Yeah. They out Sam as Cinderella by calling her the Diner Girl, which is the popular kids' loving nickname for her. Austin turns around, and he and Sam make eye contact. And the look on his face is, like, horror it's hard because it's the first time that mm-hmm. he's realizing who yes. she is, but he's been looking for her. And now he's like, ew, she's poor. <laughs> yeah, like, ugh. I don't want her. Poverty, I'm going to catch it. So Sam, you know, obviously flees the situation like any sane person would, you know? It was so sad. It was so embarrassing. It was fucking horrible. Like to have people reading your emails in front of the whole fucking school. And the other heartbreaking thing is that the guy, Austin, he at this point doesn't know if his crush, if his digital crush leaked those emails on purpose. Like he doesn't know if he's being made a fool of. I think he knows that she did it because like it, it. thoroughly humiliated her yeah so she goes home and she has the sad sads you know she's just at home crying and it's at this point where fiona brings her the letter that was like hey you got mail it's from princeton and she comes into her room sits out on her bed where sam is already sobbing yeah what a horrible person. She sees, Fiona sees that has, her stepdaughter mm-hmm. is crying and heartbroken. She's like, this is a good time to give her my Photoshop letter from Princeton. Yeah. And she comes in and she's like, it's from Princeton. Open it. And so, of course, Sam opens it. But I think anybody who has applied to colleges knows that Sam got the little envelope, not the big envelope, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And she opens it and she's like, I didn't get in. And Fiona is like, aw, that's awful. Well, at least you still have a job at the diner for as long as you want. Ugh. You know what, Fiona? I have bought you a Taco Bell membership. And, you know, I hope you have the day you deserve. Have the day you deserve, Fiona. (laughs) There's just something about seeing Hilary Duff crying that just awakens my inner angst, yeah. my inner teenage angst, you know? I feel so bad for her at this point because things just feel pretty hopeless, you know? So we have Sam who has basically lost everything she's been looking forward to and she has to go back to work where she's presumably expected to work for the rest of her life. Yeah. Um, her her co-worker, Rhonda, again, who is kind of this this mom figure, mm-hmm. starts giving her a pep talk. The stepsisters come into the diner 
and they slam the door shut. A decoration falls, which peels the wallpaper and reveals a quote that is painted on the original diner wall. Mm-hmm. And it's a quote from her dad, and it reminds Sam of who she is. Do you know what this quote says? Because I can't remember. Don't let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. Oh, okay. So Sam reads this quote, and she's like, you know what? I quit this job And I quit this whole ass family. Good for you, girl. Good for you. Fiona's like, where are you going to live? Yeah. Rhonda's like, you can live with me because I quit too. Sam does. Sam moves out of Fiona's house. Well, it's her house, but Sam moves out of that house and she moves in with Rhonda. Yeah. And a few days have passed at this point. So Sam just walks right into the boys' locker room, and she goes up to Austin, and she's like, you know what? I feel sorry for you because I know who I am, and but you don't know who you are. And she just kind of, like, lays into him. It seemed almost like he was embarrassed that his Cinderella was, was this girl that worked at the diner. No, he did. He seemed embarrassed. I don't think he was. I think he was just kind of shocked. But his face definitely screamed like, ugh. Not diner girl. <laughs> he was like, oh, God, not her. Um, Sam says to Austin mm-hmm. in this big, epic, like, locker room encounter, she says, I'm not waiting for you because waiting for you is like waiting for rain in this drought. It's useless and disappointing. And I'm like, oh, snap, she just hit you with some environmentally woke shit. <laughs> 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 that's like an epic speech for like a seven like could you imagine like the audacity it took for her to go in there and do that i just don't understand these 17 year olds having the audacity to walk into the boys locker room Mm-mm. like i just don't understand and i will never understand what if people were like getting dressed what if like she saw a peepee you know so wait, so after so after Sam yells at Austin, like, I feel sorry for you. Then she goes and she like sits and stands and watches the game. So she's there watching it. But, you know, the game is like really close right now. She Austin is the quarterback and he's counting his team is counting on him to win. But he looks up and he sees Sam leaving the stands. Mm-hmm. She told her bestie, hey, I you stay, you have a good time, but, like, I have to go. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. So she's, you know, weaving through people to get out of the bleachers, and Austin sees her. And for a split second, he thinks about it, and then he takes off after her. His dad is screaming at him. The coach is screaming at him. Good, because this is an important game for him. Yeah. He has scouts watching this game mm-hmm. for, you know, I get, I don't know about sports. I I almost said a sentence that made it sound like I knew about sports. Like, he has scouts watching him to qualify for the NBFFLHA. <laughs> like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> he had, there are scouts from colleges there watching him for, to possibly offer him a scholarship. He leaves and he goes up to, I guess it's like the backup quarterback. And he's like, hey, bro, it's your time to shine. Get out there and make me proud. Then he goes up and like any good teenage movie, the football player runs up the stairs of the bleachers like it's fucking nothing. Like he's fit or something. (laughs) He runs up these stairs. He gets to her and she's like, what are you doing, Austin? And 
He's just like, I'm getting the girl. Well, he doesn't say that. It would be so... He doesn't say that. It would be so epic if he said that. But it's Chad Michael Murray, and he's 110% just relying on his looks uh-huh. for some reason. And, uh, yeah, he goes up, and he he kisses her. And then it starts to rain. <laughs> the skies open up, and it starts to rain, and it pours, and... I want to state for the record, because this might come up in the future, I am also a hoe for kissing in the rain. There's something about whenever I see that trope, mm-hmm. kissing in the rain, straight up hoe. Uh, who's not a hoe for kissing in the rain, you know? Straight up hoochie mama. Like, gone. Like, Chad Michael who? Like, I don't care who it is. I'm really glad to start seeing some of your red flags here, you know? Like, I'm... <laughs> It makes me so happy. I feel like my red flags are more like scenic. The scenes create like a fog around the red flags. And so if it's set on a rooftop bar, if it's set in the rain, if it's set after a meet cute, like I'll ignore it. So like if you are getting off the elevator on a rooftop bar trip, Chad Michael Murray catches you. All Be by Edward McCain starts playing. He just sweeps you into a dance and then it starts raining. Like you're just, you're, you'll marry him. I'm immediately pregnant with triplets. Cool, 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 cool. Okay. <laughs> Do we have that clear? Do we have it on the record? We have it on the record, yes. So you have this really beautiful touching moment here. And mm. then it... The scene changes, and she's at Rhonda's house. Sam is at Rhonda's house, and she's unpacking her stuff because she has a new... Sam has a new mommy, and it's Rhonda. Yeah. She's unpacking her stuff, and the storybook, the fairy tale book that Sam's father used to read to her, she picks it up. And girl, what falls out? What falls out of that book? You know how some of us, like, we have, like, an important binder where we keep shit in... Like, will we keep like important shit in? Yeah, like Courtney's psychotic family binder, yeah. family emergency binder, which she literally has a plan for when she and everyone she knows dies. Uh-huh. It's casual. So, you know, most families have a place where they keep important documents. But Sam's dad kept his will inside of the fairy tale storybook that he used to read to her every night. So when she pulls it out of this box that she's unpacking... The will falls out. She realizes, oh, wow, my dad did leave a will. Here's mine. Courtney. Courtney took this time while I was talking to dig up her will, to hold it up to the camera, and make me feel like an inferior human being because I don't even have a fucking will. <laughs> Finish putting your your death binder away and then, come, and then talk to me. We haven't even went over the death part. <laughs> I have a whole orphan Annie tab for when my parents die. Um, okay, I'm done. Anyways, why would you put the only copy of your will in your daughter's storybook and not even tell her? Sam's dad was like, you know what? This is, I have only one daughter and I have a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably not important for her to yeah. inherit anything. Nope. Eh. She reads this will. And it turns out that Fiona knew about it because Fiona signed it under the witness tab. She inherited the diner, the house, all the money, everything. It's all Sam's. 
So Sam just went from being the girl driving the convertible, working at the diner, living in the attic, to being the girl that owns all the cars, owns the whole goddamn house, and owns the restaurant, you know? Yeah. She went from being rich poor to just being rich. Sam, Rhonda, and an attorney, and then cops are all at the house, and they're towing the cars. And Fiona's like, wait, I can pay those parking tickets. And the attorney's (laughs) like, ma'am, have you ever seen this? And she's like, I have never seen my husband's secret will before. (laughs) And the the attorney's like, isn't this your signature and your name under the witness section? And she just takes off running. Like, this is an episode of Cops, and they're going to chase her down. Like, ma'am, I don't know if you've ever seen any real-life police footage ever, but they don't chase white women around, you know? Yeah, you'll tire yourself out. So how many years do you think it's been between her dad dying and Sam realizing that she owned everything all along? At least seven. Between seven and ten. I think it's been ten years because I think she was around eight years old or seven years old. Yeah. So when her when when her when she quote lost her best friend unquote, which by the way I don't think her dad died. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> like it's it was very suspicious circumstances. He's not dead. He just couldn't see a Fiona anymore, so he pieced out. <laughs> he just started a new life somewhere. You know what? I'm with you on that. Completely believable. So she returns the diner to how her dad had it, you know, when it was Hal's instead of Fiona's. Yeah. But being the nice person she is, she couldn't leave Fiona and the girls destitute. So now they scrub floors at the diner. There's the high road and there's the low road. And I feel like Sam was like, you know what? I'm going to take the middle road. Like, I'm not going to leave them out on the streets, Mm -hmm. but their asses are going to be scrubbing the floors. That's for damn sure. I feel like this is much more satisfying. Let's just put it this way. Fiona is having the day she deserves. She 100% is. And so, of course, we can't forget about Austin. Him and Sam literally drive off into the sunset in her convertible together. Mm -hmm. They both ended up going to Princeton and, as far as we can tell, lived happily ever after. Yeah, so... Guys, like we said, you know, it's a simple retelling of Cinderella. I think at the time it was maybe seen as a modern because, you know, they had the flip phone and that was state of the art. And they had the cube, the giant cube, you know, computer monitor. And that was like, whoa, I can't believe it. It's a Cinderella retelling, but it has all of the early 2000s nostalgia you could possibly want, you know? All right, guys, so this is this is it. Listen, this is it. The teapot is empty for now, but don't worry. More is brewing and on the way. We'll be back next week with something. We'll be, listen, we'll be back next week. We'll have something, okay? Just calm down. <laughs> we'll, we'll be back with something. Just, just come back. Don't leave us. Come back. Are you foreshadowing? Because we're doing Titanic at a certain point. The people have spoken, and Titanic seems to be a winner, so... Yes. We will be doing Titanic in a few episodes. Yeah. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review and share with a friend. (laughs) 
Rose had too many glasses of rosé. She had two. She had two glasses of rosé, okay? Fucking up the outro. I'm just fucking up the outro. outro. It's fine. Oh my god, I can't even talk. We're fine. All right. It's good, it's good. We'll see you next week. Bye.